Hey guys, welcome everyone to the first episode of the MCAT Mastery Podcast. We are so excited to be finally hosting this podcast. I feel like several months I've been hosting top scorer interviews and being like, we're making this into a podcast eventually, I promise. And for months we've been trying to, so we've been meaning to start this for a while and we are all really, really excited to finally get it out to you guys. But just to briefly introduce ourselves beforehand. So my name is Monica, I'm on the administrative team and we have Ariana with us here as well, who is a tutor. And we'll get more into our personal journeys in a minute. But today, basically, this first episode, we're basically just going to talk about, you know, what this podcast is going to offer, as in like what episodes are coming up, what you can expect, things like that. And then we're going to cover, you know, why the MCAT is important in medical school and maybe a few extra tips that you can get from us. That's about it. So I guess we can just go into who we are a little bit more. So I'll start. My name is Monica and I graduated from college this past May. So almost a year ago now, I majored in psychology and I was pre-med when I took the MCAT in 2019 over the summer and I got a 516. It was a hard journey and it was very challenging. My scores were fluctuating a lot when I took it. So, you know, you have to learn to believe in yourself and kind of have confidence in the exam, but we'll cover that a little bit more later. But so, so now I'm on the administrative team. So basically I handle a lot of the planning, answering emails, talking with students, pairing tutors, and working on a little bit of content, but things like that. And I'm trying to go get my PhD now in clinical psychology, hopefully. So not even going to medical school, but the MCAT was still a really, really important journey to me. So happy to be here. But yeah, Ariana, take it away. So I'm Ariana and I'm one of our MCAT tutors and also I guess one of our MCAT mentors. And I also kind of like Monica did a career switch and except mine was to medicine. So I was originally going to dental school, was all prepared to apply, like ready to go and actually had applied when I found out that my dad was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And when that happened, I think it kind of gave me some more perspective. And I thought, okay, maybe I don't want to go to dental school. And maybe what I really want to do is go to medical school. So that was like in October, I guess. And then I realized I was going to have to take the MCAT really fast and apply to medical school while I was still finishing my application cycle to dental school. So I tried to figure out how to manage that while being in school and I was still working. I had like a car accident I was in. So I was dealing with litigation from that. It was a very hectic, scary time. But I ended up ultimately taking the MCAT. I got a 515, which was like more than enough to apply to the school I wanted to go to. And I applied and got accepted. And now I'm currently in medical school. We both had interesting journeys for sure. Also fun fact that I feel like we should mention, Ariana and I are both from Charleston. So we actually met up a few months ago. It was like during this past summer. And when we met up, we could not stop talking about the MCAT. It was crazy. So that's another reason why we're here. We are both super passionate about the exam and all the tips and tricks required for success. I totally agree, Monica. And it's something that like it forces you, like exactly like you said, to learn a lot about yourself. And that's, I think, something like what you said. We hit it off talking about that. And we would love to share that with others who are just kind of starting this journey. So let's talk a little bit more about the podcast itself. So what is this podcast going to entail? So basically, what we want to accomplish with it is getting educational tips out to you guys, but entertaining way. We don't want it to be this boring cookie cutter thing that you're having to listen to. We want it to be fun. There will be multiple podcast hosts, multiple top scorers coming in. No episode hopefully is going to be 
the same, which is a good thing. We want it to be interesting, entertaining, things like that. And I've heard from a lot of top scorers, I guess this is kind of a spoiler for some of the episodes, but a lot of them have talked about how they listen to podcast episodes during their prep. So while they're brushing their teeth, they listen to it. And so we think this is a huge opportunity to like create episodes for people who are auditory listeners and want to listen to something while they're not doing anything else. So going forward, more specifically with the episodes, basically a lot of them are going to entail interviews with top scorers on the MCAT. So basically we look for people who have increased their scores quickly, a lot of struggles on their journey, whose scores fluctuated a lot, like people who really struggled and ended up doing really well. We love hearing their stories. So our goal with those is basically to motivate you guys. If you're struggling on your journey, we want to show you what these people did so that you can implement those things, understand the mistakes they made, and do well yourself. So that's what those episodes will be about. And then we'll also be having episodes on just overall MCAT tips and strategies, especially cars tips, because that is a section everyone struggles on. And so we'll have like 130 plus scores coming in to talk about all of that. We'll also be covering updates on like general things going on. Our world is always changing these days. So yeah, we want to keep you guys updated. And then episodes, we'll have episodes answering MCAT practice questions. That is something when I was talking to those top scores, a lot of them like the practice question podcast. So yeah, we would love to, you know, become a part of that. And then going through cars passages with a top score. So again, cars, a vital section can be challenging. So want to help with that. And then finally, we'll have episodes going through MCAT reviews. So breaking down high yield content concepts in an easy way for you to understand and in a way where you can just like listen to it while you're doing other things. So yeah, that's kind of what we have coming up for you with this podcast. We're really excited to get all these episodes out to you. We've recorded a lot of them. And yeah, so going forward now, I guess in this episode, we're just going to cover in general why the MCAT is important. I think, Monica, like a lot of times when you're preparing for the MCAT, and I know I felt this, you may have felt it too, is like you get so wrapped up in taking the MCAT, you kind of forget like, okay, what is the purpose of this test even other than a number score to give to a school to show that I have some sort of competence? Yeah, I feel like in a lot of cases, the MCAT can teach you things about yourself that are important in your life, which sounds so cheesy, but I truly believe that because I think it rounded me a little bit more after I took it and things like that. So I definitely, I think you're right on the money there. The MCAT is so vital and so it's such an important journey to take. But yeah, so in regard to how it'll help you with your future going forward in medical school, what do you think about all of that, Ariana? Yeah. So I think that with the MCAT, it's a total learning experience about yourself, but it's also a learning experience that if you do it correctly, you can use it to your advantage when you're transitioning into med school. And like a lot of people will talk about, oh, you know, my transition to med school is so difficult and this happened and that happened. And that's true. And I think the level of difficulty varies by like people and their experience, but there are ways you can prepare yourself. And one of those ways is take advantage of learning the material that you need for the MCAT to kind of help you be successful in medical school. And I think it varies a little by each section and we can kind of go through that section by section. But overall, I think the biggest thing to remember when you're taking the MCAT that can help you is like understand why you're taking it, not just why and why you want to be a doctor, but also how can this test help me moving forward? So I think that's a good thing to keep in mind. But in regards to like each section, I would say the chemphys section 
is helpful because you actually, I hear so many times when I've been tutoring and maybe you've heard this on the other side, but people will say, oh, I don't need chemistry. And mostly I don't need physics or I'm never going to see this physics again. And you've probably heard that. And so I think that that's false. And it's probably important to know that you will need physics again. And you're going to need physics kind of in the way the MCAT test it, which is not your physics courses in college, where if you do this math problem, it's going to be understand Bernoulli's equation, understand how resistance changes depending on the width of something. And so you need to kind of be comfortable with that going into medical school so that you don't have to spend valuable time relearning it. And I feel like that's kind of the value in the chem phys section is you don't have to remember every detail, but if you recognize something, you are like, okay, I kind of am familiar with this. Let me dig a little deeper. And then you're more so refreshing than having to start from scratch, relearn something you never knew to begin with. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people in a lot of cases, just kind of following up on that, People are so quick to label themselves as not good at physics and not good at math as well. And that's a huge mindset thing. <laughs> You're already kind of committing yourself to not being good at that and not being good at that in the future when it, like you said, it, it's so vital, especially the application piece. So yeah, don't try not to say those things about yourself because anyone can be good at those topics, I think. I totally agree. And I think when you're preparing for your tests, like knowing if you put it in your head, I think it's Henry Ford, whether you think you can or you can't, you're not like, that's what's going to happen to paraphrase. And that is the case. And it is again, like a skill I have noticed, even in medical school, there are certain subjects that we cover where I'm, oh, I, you know, I did really bad on this on the last test. So maybe, and I guess really bad is all relative, but anyway, <laughs> really bad on this on the last test. I'm not good at this, but really maybe it was like, I didn't study the right thing or I didn't do this, but on the previous three exams, I got hundreds every time. If you tell yourself you're not going to be able to do it, all of a sudden you get in that mindset trap and that's never a good place to be. So I think you're so right in that don't go into it with the mindset like, oh, I'm not good at physics, which a lot, I've never had a student really come to me. Actually, I'm really good at physics. I don't need help on this section. I think you're better off saying, okay, maybe I don't know it now, but I can learn it. And not only am I learning it for this test, but I'm learning it to help me out when I get to med school. So I don't have to think about it anymore. Or I only have to put in review. I'm not having to learn some physics principle from scratch because I never learned it well the first or the second time. Right. That's another thing is, and I this kind of applies to cars too, which is strategies for ways to do, to read it right the first time. You don't have to go back, kind of do that passage again. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think a great thing about car and what you said is so true with the whole MCAT if you want to do it right the first time and if you're retaking then that's fine this is your first time now you want to do it right this time and exactly what you said with cars it can mean both in taking the test because a lot of people have been in a situation where they score fine or even really well on three out of the four sections and cars is their low score and they have to retake the entire test because cars kind of held them back and so if you can overcome that then all of a sudden you're in a much better place. And I think that the thing with cars that it's really easy to blow cars off and be like, well, you know, it's just reading. I don't, I'm not going to need that. But if you think about everybody when talking about medical school likes to use the fire hose analogy, it's like drinking water out of a fire hose. And I would say that true to a degree, but regardless of how much information it is for you, you're going to have to read. You're not going to be able to stop reading because like you read your syllabus with all your information and your notes. And I mean, we had one syllabus that was itself 800 pages and that was one of four. For one six week for a one exam that was 
six, no, maybe it was only like four weeks of material for one exam. And one out of four of our syllabus still by were, was 800 pages. You want to be comfortable reading and not zoning out because if you start reading your syllabus for your classes or after your classes and you've like read it and you get to the end and you're like, wow, I cannot remember a single thing I just read. That's an issue because that's a lot of time you just wasted. So I think the beauty of cars is it, most people hate it and it can be boring. I totally get that. But there are a lot of boring things that are covered in medical school, unfortunately, and some of that you just have to get through. And some of that is going to be written notes. And some of it will literally be written notes that your professors just, they like to talk about their like research or they like to talk about something that you're like, is this even going to be tested on? Is this even relevant? But you have to be able to be able to read information, read a lot of it, get something out of it and be able to pick out, hey, this may be important or this may not be important. And that's where cars can really help you going forward into medical school. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like that also syllabi. Oh my gosh, I would have never thought about that. That seems so important. But also I feel like research papers as well are so dense, which you've probably seen in undergrad. A lot of people take the MCAT when they're in undergrad and you have to read research papers then. But medical school, if you want to do research and things like that, you're gonna have to do literature reviews. As someone who wants to go into the research field, there's so much reading to be done. So getting those skills on the MCAT, that is a skill that you've gained. It's not obstacle like it can be helpful in any career and just in life as I keep saying but yeah and I think like that's also true because like you said okay research is one area and what you said like even if you're going to do the research you're still going to need to read all the papers of the people who have done similar research for you that can take forever and I think another area people totally overlook but that's completely relevant to medical school are patient chart because we like have a class specifically where one of the things we work on are patient presentations and being able to take why this person is here their pertinent health history and being able to kind of sum it up in two sentences why they're here, the relevant details, and what you think going forward needs to be done. And if you have a patient that's got has been here like multiple times, has multiple chronic issues, you have to be able to go through that chart, figure out what is relevant to this situation, what is something that happened but maybe is not relevant, what do I think is important, and then put that in your kind of little summary to give to your attending. And if you're going to be able to do that, like you have to be able to go through material and figure out what is the big picture and what are the relevant details. And if you can't do that, you're going to give the per the attending physician wrong information. So CARS is another way you have to be really good at what is the big picture? What is this passage even about? But also here are the five kind of details that lead into why this is important. And it's so analogous. What is your patient here for? And give me five things in their medical history or what they said today that makes you think this X, Y, and Z is what you want to go do, do going forward. Yeah, that's such a great point. Again, that I would have never thought of if I wasn't in med school. So you have the perspective to kind of be giving all this advice about medical school, which is great. It's 2020. Yes. I also feel like CARS, you know, kind of putting it back in the perspective of the MCAT. If you can do well in CARS, because it's not, it doesn't require the content, you can also do well in the other sections if you are approving your CARS scores. If you're a great reader, it'll help you on BioBio Bio as well, because those bio biochem passages are also very dense. And if you can use some of those strategies, it'll be good there as well. Yeah. And I think that's also true because when you think of bio bio, bio bio out of all the sections, it's like, okay, I can see why some of this information is relevant for medical school. They're going to use it. It's true because like, I have never been tested in medical school, like a whole passage, multi paragraphs, and had to answer questions off of that. Like my medical school, that's not a thing. So I think that when you 
master cars, you are really setting yourself up to work with the other sections. And bio bio is a big one because bio bio is where you have to be able to take all your actual content knowledge of the sciences, which is what a lot of people even major in and be able to apply that. And but you still have to be able to read the passage and get information out of it because some of those questions you can't answer without relevant packs details and cars helps prepare you to figure out how to find the details so that you can answer the questions yeah couldn't have said it better myself I feel like that's also why people struggle with cars a lot as well as because of those skills that are required for it and that's why it's so intimidating as well and it doesn't need to be like you guys truly can do well in cars and if you can do well in cars you can do well on the entire exam I will go to my grave saying that I completely agree in cars If I had to pick one section saying that, that has helped me the most in medical school, it is CARS. And so if you think about what you just said and what I just said, and you put it together, CARS is the one section that will help you the most on your MCAT. And CARS is something that's going to help you, for me personally, the most in medical school. And you look at that and then you realize that CARS is not something you have to be born to know. CARS isn't content-based. CARS is purely skills, which we help teach. You can totally not only set yourself up to do really well in the MCAT, but just set yourself up to do really well in med school. And I wish I knew that when I was taking the car section. And I also wish I better understood when I was taking the MCAT how to leverage cars to help my other section scores. Because I think in hindsight, again, 2020, I would have done better on the other sections if I understood more what I was doing in cars. So I think that cars really can set you up to be successful in the MCAT as long as your mindset is a growth mindset of like, I'm going to learn the skill to help me move forward in the other sections. And like we said, bio bio is where you can kind of see the benefits of cars in addition to the other sections, but especially bio bio. And I think what I have found interesting in bio bio since starting med school is actually there's a lot of stuff they talked about in all of those double AMC passages where I was, yeah, okay, whatever, but it turned out it's kind of important. They're real. There's real stuff in there. I would say for her, again, if I looked back and could tell myself, I feel like, you know, pay a little more attention to double AMC material. You don't have to memorize everything they're saying, but be a little bit more inquisitive about it because when they start talking about jackstat receptors and you're like what are they talking about instead of just saying okay i'm going to get through this passage look it up and be like how is this relevant to cell signaling and you're not going to understand what you're looking at and that's okay because you'll learn in med school but it just gives you exposure to it so when you get into med school and they go oh Today, we're going to have a whole lecture on the JAK-STAT receptor. You're like, oh, actually, I'm kind of familiar with it. I know it has something to do with cell signaling. And it just makes it easier when you've already had some exposure. Again, you don't need to memorize what is going on now, but just knowing, oh, I recognize that. It sounds familiar because you're more in tune to your lectures in medical school when you've been exposed to the material before. Yeah, that makes so much sense. I feel like just in general, if you're exposed to something beforehand, you get more comfortable with it, even if you don't, you know, look it up and understand it. So, you know, even just the fact that you know what the receptor is called, you can be like, I'm like a little bit prepared for this. Exactly. And it kind of like your, pings your brain and you're like, oh, wait, I remember reading about that. And then it makes it easier when you're on an exam. And you're oh, I wonder what, oh, wait, you know, I think that's that thing that was on the MCAT that one time <laughs> that I recognized when I got to med school. Oh, I'm going to go with this one. It just helps you exactly what you said. I did not look anything up and I still feel like it helped me. Just like being familiar with it, you tend to pay more attention if you kind of already 
recognize something. And that's also very helpful. Just be familiar with stuff ahead of time. And that's, I think a lot of the value of the MCAT is you're not going to know every detail. You're not going to remember every detail of the Krebs cycle. But again, when you get into medical school and you do have to know kind of every step of the Krebs cycle, like it's really helpful to be like, okay, I'm familiar with this. Like I recognize this, like this is something I have seen before. And yeah, I might not remember every single intermediate, you know, I recognize the names. I'm not having to relearn the entire names. So all of those little things add up and are helpful. Yeah, I feel like this is great because you're like talking about all the specific medical school stuff. And then I'm over here thinking about all the general stuff. So to me, the stuff you're saying is also can be helpful in reverse as well. If you come into the MCAT with a background, let's say for me, I majored in psychology. So when I got to the psych section, there were obviously words that I recognized and you can pick out like even just based off of familiarity some words, I'd be like, I have no idea what this term is, but I know like half of it and so I'm just going to pick that one and things like that just make you more comfortable in certain sections like bio majors as well maybe they're feeling a little bit more comfortable with bio biochem things like that and you know being open to those backgrounds that you have and developing them and things like that. I totally agree and one thing even now on that same page, even now in med school, like something that you see a lot, it's like, okay, anatomy and physiology, like need it for med school or not? Do you need it for the MCAT? I know for my MCAT, it probably would have been helpful or in what the one course I took was helpful. I know that for medical school, the stuff that I had already kind of seen before, again, exactly what you said, you may not know every detail of it, but you're like, yeah, okay, I kind of recognize where this goes. And so I think just part of the strategy for your entire kind of medical school career starting before the MCAT at the MCAT once you get into medical school is just exposing yourself to the material multiple times in different ways and I had a doctor tell me that how should I study and he was like just look at the material multiple times in different ways and I found that to be so true because when you see it in several kind of unrelated places like oh I saw that in my biology class or my psychology class then oh I saw it on a practice test and like oh I saw it on the real MCAT when you get to medical school and it's now the fourth or fifth time you've seen it you're like yeah okay let me see what kind of tiny details I need to add to this but you're not relearning the whole kind of thing you're not having to start from scratch and it's just it no matter what order you go in whether it's your classes helping you on the MCAT something from the MCAT helping you in medical school I think being exposed is never a bad thing yeah what I'm hearing is that the MCAT has a point what that's insane yeah I know crazy I know because when you're taking it you're like oh this is just a gatekeeping mechanism because I feel like that that's how it feels it kind of feels like this is an obstacle they put up to keep people from becoming doctors, but it's really, it is helpful. Like it helps you as a person and it's supposed to help you in medical school as we keep hearing from you. So yeah. I think it does. And I think another thing is that is not entirely score dependent, I would say. The MCAT score is a score of a test of measuring one day. You can score kind of this is within a certain range, you know, like you have to have some level of familiarity with the concepts probably to start getting into 500s, the 510s and the 520s. But like, I really think that there are people in med school and they say this that have been successful with lower scores and there are people with higher scores and people probably score, you know, around similar. I mean, I know there's a variety of scores in my classes and we all, I mean, our average exam scores are average exam score. Like it's literally average. So I think that just because you don't score 528 on the MCAT doesn't mean you don't benefit from everything we're talking about too. Like this is stuff that just happens from putting in effort and working to do your best and recognizing that score is also dependent on other factors, including how much time you have, how much effort you really can put in 
for the time frame you have or for your other obligations. And so I think it's also really important to keep in mind that this does not just apply to high scores or super high scores. Just the act of preparing for the MCAT, no matter where you're scoring, can help set you up for success. And exactly like you said, it you learn so much about yourself that doesn't just necessarily mean medical school success. Yeah, exactly. And and I feel like that's I'm the perfect example of that. I took the MCAT and I'm not even going to medical school and I learned a lot from it. So obviously it has benefits for medical school, but just even as somebody who going forward doing something else, it was also very helpful. So as a psych major, I feel like we do need to hear about the psych so- section though. I am dying to know if it's helping anyone in medical school. I think it's really interesting actually, because like, I feel like I did not anticipate, I was like, okay, psych so, yeah, like whatever. But <laughs> yeah. actually, if you break it down, there are relevant pieces of this section. And I think it's like, good to keep this in mind when you're taking the psych so, psych so section, because there's it's beneficial on several levels. So you can kind of start with actually getting into medical school. If you do well on psych soch, you're kind of showing like you're well-rounded that you understand there are other aspects to your medical school application and then just like the bio in the chem section in physics. And you're kind of showing schools like I take psych and soch seriously, which is important because there's a lot. And at least in my medical school, especially post year 2020, we're spending a lot of time having conversations about things that aren't necessarily biology based, but are important. And we spend a lot of time in like our patient care courses, like talking about like how does somebody's socioeconomic status impact their ability to get to the doctor, to be able to afford prescriptions, to be able to follow the steps that you've asked them to take. And so I think that's really interesting because it may not be verbatim, although some of it is because like in the psych section, you have, you're theoretically supposed to know like how vision, hearing, like all of those things, which you are going to have to learn for med school. Same thing with like the stages of childhood development. You have to learn that for peds, like you need to know that. So it's kind of interesting. There are some aspects like that, that come back in a very concrete academic way where, yeah, you need to know this. And then there are other aspects that show back up in just communicating or already written several papers just on, on how outside factors can influence people's, you know, ability to get this or ability to get that or aging or things like that, that you like don't think about. But again, like having prior exposure to it, you can be like, oh, you know, this seems really familiar. Like this seems like something I remember studying when I was studying for the MCAT, like I should look this up and I can base my paper off of it, which is very helpful. Listening to all of that stuff, all my sensors are going off because I studied when I was an undergrad. We did a study on ageism, which is the systematic discrimination against older adults because of their age. And I think that's one of those things that is just very overlooked. And as a doctor, you have to be aware of, you know, the geriatric population. You're going to have to work there at least probably during rounds or something like that. And so there are all these different patient populations. There's all these different things that you have to keep in mind for different people. And so just knowing things, being aware of certain psychological and sociological aspects of patient care is so important. So that's kind of the general piece, but I'm sure the practical part is helpful. Too. No, that's actually the perfect example because like one of our papers we had to do was on working with elderly patients. What do you think are some barriers they may face? And we had a whole lecture on like ageism and how that affects patients. So like exactly what you said you would not initially think, oh, I need to know about ageism. But like, when you get into school, and you've been exposed to it, not only is it helpful for you just every day interacting with people, but it it is actually helpful to kind of know something about the principle. And I think another thing that you touched on earlier, 
for cars with research, this is another area that shows back up. Because like at my school, we are we have to do a biostats course and like we have to be able to read graphs and we have to do some evidence-based medicine activities. And so I think again, like psych and social, there's a lot of graphs and a lot of understanding what are the different types of studies? Is this study better for this or is that study better for this? And that also shows back up in medical school. So yeah, research, research keeps coming back. <laughs> That's something I feel like is kind of underestimated, I guess, in the psych social section is like, yes, it's a lot of terms, which correct. But there's also a lot of experimental aspects to it. So like it has a lot of studies that you have to read through and they're not as dense as the bio biochem section, but that doesn't mean like they're less important and that you won't run into things like that in medical school, potentially. Exactly. So I think it's just another way uh, to help yourself by preparing now and exactly like we said earlier, doing it right the first time to set yourself up so your transition to med school is less abrupt because it is very different from undergrad. And so being comfortable with just these basic things that you honestly don't even realize are going to show back up. There have been so many times I've been like, man, am I glad I like studied that and learned it well the first time. And also just learning how to study for a test and take a test. My school has seven to eight hour exams. That's just how it goes. There's just like MCATs like every like four to six weeks. And that's literally what people say is they're like, it feels like I'm taking an MCAT every four to six weeks. You just get accustomed to it. And so, no, my test routine now is pretty much the same as it was for the MCAT. And so because I was so comfortable with this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to take my breaks. This is what I'm going to eat. I carried that with me here. And not all med schools do exams like that. This may be a little extreme. But I will say having to prepare for the MCAT just overall helped me figure out how do I study? What's the best way for me to learn the material? How can I, what do I need to do so that I can stay focused in studying and taking the test? All of those little things you just don't think about, but like even in medical school, I'm like, man, am I glad that I developed the habit to be able to learn this material now when it shows up again on another exam a month later? And I'm just like, wow, I'm so glad I have those skills that I took the time to kind of cultivate because even just section by section, there's helpful things, but even just being comfortable with studying lots of information and taking that information and be able to kind of regurgitate it on a test, that in itself is a skill that will help you in medical school. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like what you're touching on is this whole thing, this balance between content and strategy, which is something that we're huge on at MCAT Mastery, which is valuing strategy, valuing those skills, valuing mindset and the growth mindset that you're talking about. And so what you're saying is basically that, yes, the content is important. What you're learning is important in medical school and on the MCAT, like we were, we're talking about exposure and all of that. But also the skill of learning is almost more important because as you're saying, you're having to take an MCAT every on a regular basis like that is that requires those skills. And so having those strategies that is and the mindset behind it as well. I think and along those same lines, like and like you said, strategy is so important to us. And I think another thing that's important to us, too, is the mindset and the personal growth. Exactly what you said. And that's another area in medical school. Like, yeah, we take those exams like every four to six weeks and you have to be able to mentally handle that and not have, I mean, I know when I was taking the MCAT, like I was having meltdowns on a pretty regular basis. There's just no time for that. You have to be able to be in a place where like, not to say I don't melt down, but I've gotten it down to like once the week before a test or something like that, which is 
very improved because you can't be constantly in a state of hysteria because there literally is no time in any minute like you're hysterical you're not studying or learning or taking a break from studying so that you can go back refreshed for me the biggest thing really out of the entire MCAT journey that I got and how it's helped me in medical school is building the mental wellness skills you need to be able to move forward. And that's not just a medical school thing. Like that's just for handling life in general. I mean, outside of studying and things like that, you are always going to need to know how to cope with stress and things like that. And so the MCAT is stressful. And it's extremely so, stressful. All of that stuff is so stressful. And so learning how you react to stress and then how to cope as a result, those are skills that you're never going to stop needing, in my opinion. So I completely agree with exactly that. I mean, you just, you have to be able, and I think the MCAT is such a good place, cut your teeth and learn how to do it. You have to be able, exactly what you said, to cope with large stressful things where some of it is in your control and some of it is not. And I think that I am so thankful. Again, there was a lot going on when I took the MCAT and I look back and I'm like, yeah, I don't know how I took the MCAT. But I made my adjustment again to medical school so much easier because I'm like, wow, this is not as bad as like, you know, that time when I had all that going on and I took the MCAT. And that's my personal situation. Everybody adjusts differently and has different stories. And for some people, it is a really difficult adjustment. But I think if you learn coping strategies, again, like I said earlier, it's not going to hurt you to learn how you cope and what works for you and what you need to do so that you're in a positive mental place. That does not hurt you before you get to med school. And it will help you in every other part of your life. Right. And I feel like the MCAT is almost your first brush with something that's that big and that stressful because pre-meds like we were all taking those really difficult classes in undergrad and probably before that as well but for the most part we were successful and that's why we were like oh we're going to take this MCAT and you know it's not going to be that bad because I've been successful in my undergrad classes but it's just a whole different thing and so I think something that's really important as well is learning how to stay comfortable even though you're uncomfortable going through something that is so uncomfortable and so hard and you go through all these low lows and you're alone you're feeling lonely and things like that you're uncomfortable but you make it through you push through it and you learn how to be mentally stable throughout the whole thing so yeah and like you said medical school has even more of those kind of benchmarks. I think what you just said, being comfortable, being uncomfortable is so true because like every time we start on a new section in medical school, there's like something where I'm like, I don't want to do that. Or like, yeah, I really like, that's just, I'm not comfortable. Like that's way out of my comfort zone or I've never done that before. I've never had to learn this before. And actually it's probably way more than like once every section, but <laughs> that's beside the point. The point is you're going to use it really often and you do have to be okay with being like, yeah, I've never done this before, but okay, I'm going to try. And I think that's something like not just try and like, I'm going to do it. And I'm just going to do it to do it. But like, try and like, I'm going to kind of put my best effort in and like, learn how to do this to ask questions to not be afraid to like reach out for help. If you need help in any aspect, whether that's in preparing something for a class, if that's like a subject you're struggling with, or even if that's like mental health and needing to see someone to talk to like, there are so many different options. And I think there's just so much you're right, like you just you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. MCAT is most people's first time ever where you have to do that and you have to perform on something and it feels like there's no backup plan or like no other option. Like 
you take the test and what you have to take it again like like the MCAT as a whole is like that but I even think question to question it can be like that because a lot of top scores have talked about this as well learning how you cope with coming across what coming across a question that you don't know for example you come across a question and like this happened to me literally all the time <laughs> when I was taking the MCAT you come across a question and you're like I literally never seen this word in my life I don't understand it at all and the way that you kind of react to that is going to help you in medical school, I'm sure of it, because, you know, that's a reaction. Like when you're coming across a patient who says something to you, how are you going to react when you don't know what to do? So I feel like it's testing that almost, obviously, but. Completely. And I actually had a doctor say to me, like before I started med school, he was like, okay, just you need to understand when you take a test, there will be things on that test you do not know. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I don't get that though. Cause it's like the MCAT, you like, can see, cause it's like pretty broad, but like we literally have a, our syllabus that like lists everything we kind of need to know, but exactly like we talked about earlier. Okay. When it's 800 pages, you can read everything and still not retain everything. And so there is multiple questions mm -hmm. on every single test where I sit there and I look at it and I'm just like, where exactly what you said, this is not even the MCAT. These are medical school tests that happened on the MCAT too. But I'm like, where did this come from? Why is it here? What lecture was this in? Who even said this to me? And I will go home after and look it up, which I, like, I don't recommend you do that. But I'll be like, oh, look, it was in this lecture on this day. And I just totally missed it. And so being able, you kind of have two options there. You can totally freak out. And you may or may not get the question right, but if you're really flustered, it's gonna be a lot harder. Or you can kind of sit there and go, okay, I don't know what it is. I don't know what this is, but I know that it has nothing to do with C and D. And I know that A and B both kind of sound similar, but here are the differences. And my best educated guess is B. And a lot of times it ends up working out if you can remain calm. And it's exactly what you said. And what other top scores have experienced, what you and I have both experienced. If you can do that, that is half of the battle too, is being able to say like, yeah, I don't know this, but I'm going to figure out. And also exactly like you said, you have to be able to do that in med school. When you're interacting with patients, when an attending asks you something, you don't know the answer to. Like there are so many different opportunities to use that skill of not getting flustered just because you don't know something because that just happens on an everyday basis and definitely on exams. Yeah, literally. I feel like it's so valuable and we could talk about that for hours. We could talk about all these like mindset tips for hours. And I love how we're just like bouncing off of each other. None of this was scripted. It's just us literally talking about the exam because like we keep saying, you learn so much. I have all these nuggets of information that I don't know what to do with. And so I feel like that's kind of what we want to accomplish with this podcast, which is, you know, taking these things that we know, taking these things that we've learned. And from your spot, being in medical school, being able to share what's important and what can help in the future as well. Those are all things that we want to help you guys with. So at risk of going past our time, a lot of time, do you have any like final thoughts for, you know, people who might be listening, Ariana? No, not that won't be covered in a later podcast. I think the biggest thing to keep in mind is like recognize that MCAT can help you. It's not just a gatekeeper. You can really use it to your advantage and take advantage of that. This is an opportunity to push yourself and see where you end up. And I think that's a great thing. And if you can get in a good mindset to do that, you're on your way to having a successful MCAT success story. Yes. And that's ultimately what we want to see all you guys have. Anyone can succeed on this exam. That's another thing. Like Ariana just said, it's not a gatekeeping exam, although it can feel like that. So 
we just want to help you guys get there and help you to feel comfortable doing as well because all that stuff's going to help you in medical school as we keep saying so overall like we're looking forward to this podcast we hope you guys enjoy listening to it as well if you have any feedback for us or ways to improve this podcast you can email us at team at mcatmastery.net we would love to hear from you and feedback is always appreciated but i think that's all we had for today thanks so much ariana for like sitting down taking the time to do this with me yeah thanks for having me and i'm glad we got to kind of talk about all of the things we've been through because like you said it's a bonding experience and it's great to be able to share that with others who are going through it too so they know and that you listening know you can do this and you can be successful Yeah, we'll definitely be back. So expect to hear from us again. But yeah, thanks guys and good luck studying.